Welcome back to the Next Level Sega fans. It's the podcast where we may talk about piracy, but this is not Pirate Radio. I'm Dan the Mega Driver, and here's the Fenrir to my overdrive. It's James the Sakeholic. How you doing, mate? Well, Fenrir's a wolf, but I don't think people want to hear me howl, so um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say I'm, I'm very well, mate. Um, first recording of the new year, so here we go. We've, we've had our break. Not that people would notice because the amount of stuff I've been putting out with the deluge of homebrew stuff, which will obviously take us nicely into the topic of today's show. But I'm, I'm very well, mate. How's yourself? Very good, mate. Looking looking very sharp on the new on the new camera with the new microphone, the new equipment. Uh, looking Upgrades. great. <laughs> I've got to upgrade myself. I think new camera, new microphone on my side, but. Uh, it's good to be back behind the microphone, mate. And yeah, there's been a, a deluge of, uh, of homebrew content and updates and mods and fan ports. And there was, I think we've had, we had three videos in a row trying to react to the, the daily daily announcements. And I think there's been another three or four since at the time. This isn't, people aren't going to see this for what, four weeks or whatever, but you know, we had Saturn Bomberman fight. We had, um, Oh god, my, my brain's going blank. But what was the one that was announced on the Shiro show? Uh, Shadows of a Tusk, That's as it, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just doesn't stop, and it just shows how vibrant that Sega community is. Which, you know, we're going to be touching on uh, quite a lot today because this is, I think, more than ever, and this is something that we talked about, is why it's absolutely essential these days as a retro gamer to have some sort of flash device, whether it's an ODE, whether it's uh, an EverDrive, it just seems to be something that you can't live without these days, I would say. Yeah. And I know, obviously, collecting is a big thing. Um, and I know there's collectors, like, you know, I know you're not a collector per se, because I've always said that's just your stuff that you've accumulated, but you've got a massive physical collection, but you also have ODEs. But I think there's still an element of people in the community that maybe don't quite gravitate towards ODEs, maybe they misunderstand them, maybe they they don't realise exactly the, the, all the benefits that are out there for them. So, you know, hopefully this, this episode is something that, you know, we can have a chat about. What is an ODE? What are the benefits? What are the pitfalls? You know, just stuff like that, just to kind of maybe hopefully educate and, and, and inform people who may be on the fence about opening up their console and, and putting one of these mods in, but as you'll discover as we go on, you don't have to open your console for all of them, so no. <laughs> um, there's lots of options and, and that's the good thing, there's so much to choose from. Absolutely mate, but um, for anyone that, uh, we'll start with the really basic stuff, you know, what is a flash device, what is an ODE, what is an EverDrive, I mean the ODE we'll start with, that's probably the more complex one of them, but uh, ODE obviously standing for Optical Drive Emulator, and I think the simplest way to sum this one up is it replaces the disk drive in your console, and that's could be you say Saturn disk drive or your Dreamcast disk drive. I don't think there's been one for the Mega CD yet, albeit there is another solution that we'll come on to in a minute. But mm. I don't think there has been, has there? Not that I'm aware of, no. Um I know like PS2 has got one that involves like a kind of a memory card as well. Exploit. The framework boot. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's options out there for all the consoles. Mega CD, um, I think is probably the odd one out 
you know, because we've, we've obviously ever drives that work on 32X and Mega Drive, but Mega, uh, Mega CD or Sega CD is the kind of the odd one out. But aye, um, the thing with, with optical drive emulators is there are some people who I've seen who the minute they see the word emulator, um, they come back and say that you're still emulating the game and you, people need to realise that for all intents and purposes, the machine does not know it's not reading a disc. So it's still the Saturn or the Dreamcast or Mega Drive in the case of a cartridge that is still reading the ROM, which would be on the cartridge or discs. What you are emulating is a piece of hardware. You're not emulating the game. You know, it's different to running like a like a Polymega or a Mister, where you are emulating physical hardware in its entirety but with these ODEs the only part of the emulation is you are emulating the disk drive the the Saturn and Dreamcast is still using its components to run these games as it would if there was a disk drive in there yeah and I think that's an important distinction to make because the only yeah as you say mate the only thing it's emulating is the fact that there is a or would be a disc spinning in that drive and it would be read and that data transferred to the console. But that once that data is transferred to the console, that's where the emulation stops. Yeah. So it's still going through all the hardware, all the processors, as the Sega Saturn has six processors. The PlayStation <laughs> only has one. <laughs> Sorry, PlayStation. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's going through the uh, processors, the GPUs, uh, still going through the whole... You know video out options or however you've got it wired up so you're basically still playing on with real hardware the only caveat is you're not using the original disc or the original disc drive and yep. if you've ever used uh, a cd-based console i'm pretty sure you've probably had a a disc read error a failing disc drive sometimes the sound ones they don't spin at all and uh if you've got a dreamcast Sometimes it's a little bit spooky because you don't hear the uh, the this grinding noises, but that's okay. <laughs> Aye, the the Dreamcast is the one that I think even more so. Like PS Two had that thing where you watch the blue light on the left, and after you put a disc in, the lights were still moving, and you watched that blue light, and it would, and as long as it tailed up and then shot off the top <laughs> of the screen, you were fine. See if that thing went left. You were gubbed, you knew you were getting the red screen. Yeah. It was going to come up. So yeah, but the Dreamcast obviously gave you the kind of the telltale grunting noise um yeah. that it was doing something. But even then, we've all had the famous please insert game disc that comes <laughs> up with Dreamcast. Boom. And as you know, and as, as as Tom said when he was on the show, it's like you're sitting there shouting at it, going, The disc is in. It's there. Read the damn thing. Um but I and I think with Dreamcast, I think it's probably the one that benefits the most because for me, Dreamcast has still got the weakest hardware. I think all round Dreamcast has got the weakest hardware in general, but that GD ROM drive is just so janky. It's so temperamental um, that I just think it, as a console that you want to keep enjoying going forward. You've got to think we how little of these machines are out there as well, in term in comparison to like a PS2, or PS1, that all these machines are just getting cannibalized. Like how, how many people do we know who have got <laughs> like multiple Dreamcasts that they use to take bits from? Like my Dreamcast is made up of four. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, alone. It's like, so these machines are getting cannibalized to basically repair one another. Um, and at some point, the worry would be that down the line there are, there's not going to be any parts left. So, yeah. you know, using these options to to keep these things going longer and more efficiently as well is is brilliant. It is, mate. So, yeah, so ODE is essentially a replacement part in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, actually replacing the disk drive for your console. EverDrive's slightly different. So, again, we're, we're playing games from a flash card, SD card, um, but these take the form of just cartridges. So you'll take your cartridge, you'll put your games on it, mm-hmm. on the SD card, mm-hmm. that SD card, rather than going in your ODE, it goes to the top of the cartridge, which you just plug into your console. There you go. And that's, we've got them for the Mega Drive, the Master System, and the Game Gear. The Mega Drive yeah. one actually handles 32X games. And quite interestingly, the latest ever drive and Mega SD, I believe it's called, they actually run Mega CD games from them. So that's where your mega cd od option comes in albeit they're quite pricey uh, i think it's the ever drive i think it's the ever drive pro it's called but um and, and we'll get onto some of the benefits of some of that stuff at the end but the, the one of the benefits of of that one very early on in being able to run mega cd games is you can effectively emulate mega cd sound for mega drive games and enhance the audio but we'll get onto the benefits soon but yeah we're, we're both both got ever drives, haven't we? Mate, you out of the two of us, you're the one that had the Game Gear one as well. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had a well, I had a a clone um, that I picked up, but um, I it was it was interesting as well to see that it works exactly like the kind of the, the bigger ones on the the Master System and the Mega Drive. It's literally just a list of games that you you can split up into folders alphabetically by genre, however you want to arrange it. You just go in and you just choose your game and you'll see the little loading bar so it erases the game that was on it before and then you'll see a progress bar as it copies it onto memory um, and then it loads up and and that game stays in the memory. If you hit the reset button, power off, back on, hit game start, that game stays there. So if you've got a favourite game that you just like to play over and over, you know, if it's maybe an expensive one that physically you might not be able to afford or, or, or find then you can put it on your, your EverDrive and just have it sitting there if yeah. you want but it's it's a great option to have it really is yeah and I think and I think yeah and it is options because as you say you you mentioned that you had a clone you know you can get clone devices I think I've, I've got an official EverDrive an X5 I think you've got one of the one of the uh, clones which is just as good has exactly the same functionality, does the same thing, plays exactly the same games. You've, um, as I say, we've got the EverDrive Pros and the S- Mega SDs. I think the SDs come from Terrorongian. And that goes back to ODEs as well. You've got, you know, the Fenrir, which we're big champions of. For, for, you know, I think we're in agreement that that is pound for pound the best solution out there yeah. at the moment. 100%. Um, now, obviously, there's the mode exists as well. The mode works on both Dreamcast and Sega Saturn. You can use it on either. Probably not both at the same time, unless you want to have both your consoles sitting there with their sitting there naked and switch your drive between the two. But yeah, that does that does give you a bit more functionality. You can actually hook up huge hard drives next to them. Yeah. Um, 
if you don't want to get rid of your your disk drive, you want to keep both, there's options for that. There's the uh, satiator for the Sega SAN, which plugs into the drive bay. And there was one of the very first SD card-based solutions I saw, mate, was, and I don't know if this is one, I don't think it's very popular anymore. Uh, I know someone, in, uh, James on Twitter, uh, Y always Jamesy, um, who sold me my 32X, actually. He had uh, a Dreamcast, and it had an SD card slot in the side where the modem went. Is that the USB GD ROM? It might be. Possibly. Um, well, no, that still replaces a disk drive. Does it still replace the disk drive, yeah. then? Yeah, the USB GD ROM, is that replaced the disk drive? But uh, is that not the... I'm trying to it's, it's a Dream Shell as well. There's that, oh, that rings the bell. Yeah, because I know that's not as popular these days. Um, the kind of GDMU aspect of things is is really taken off. That's become, I think, the kind of the de facto kind yeah. of option for people. Um, and funnily enough, is that the de facto option is probably there's more clones out there than yeah. the real thing when it comes to GDMU. I, I don't think you can make them fast enough, can he? I <laughs> well, the, the thing the thing is, I, I don't know. If if Danoon has is kind of gone underground, or I know we had a a firmware update the the five point two o a little while ago, um, that I kind of addressed the two bugs that happened with the five point one fives, where on the skies of Arcadia, um, intro when you get to the end when that big that weird kind of grey silver bubbly looking thing flies through the the, yeah. the air. Um, that freezes and you just have to press start and you get to the title screen and off you go that's it um, and Resident Evil called Veronica um, it, f- it freezes at the Tiger Eyes puzzle it doesn't load the menu and if you change the jewel round and all that um, it doesn't it just doesn't work but Derek Pascarella has patched Code Veronica to basically allow it to work on 5.15 firmware. So really, and I've said this to people as well, if you're going to buy uh, a GDMU, don't, if, if if seeing all of Skies of Arcadia's intro is really paramount to you, then by all means, get the 5.20. But with Code Veronica being the only game which had a game-breaking bug, and that's been fixed. And given that you can find 5.15s cheaper than 5.20s, what what are you spending the extra to get? Yeah. The last 10 seconds of Skies of Arcadia's intro? Really? So, but, you know, some people want to have the most up-to-date, and obviously the clones can't be, be upgraded in terms of firmware. I think the 5.20 versions that are out now can be, but it's a very tricky workaround. It's it's not as easy as like Fenrir. You just put a config file on and stick it in and off it goes. It's quite it's quite complicated as well. So I but GDMU certainly has become Dreamcast's kind of de facto ODE choice, even if it is now primarily clones. Yeah, I don't hear as many people using mode for Dreamcast as I do people who are using mode for Sega Saturn. Yeah. Which is odd. Um, because Fenrir is, Fenrir is, it seems a lot more stable, I think, than GDMU. Oh, yeah. it's, it's it's definitely a lot more user friendly. You can just load them up in anything. Whereas GDMU, you kind of have to go through the menu and everything. 
to get your to get your ROMs on. The only time I've had any problems with Fenrir, um, and I see that some people kind of maybe back one horse over the other kind of thing, and it's all that kind of personal preference. But anything that I've thrown at Fenrir has worked. Like if it's retail stuff that's out there, and you know where to find your, we're not going to provide any links or downloads yeah. or anything like that, right? <laughs> but they're easy to find. Um, they're out there and they're in the proper format that they would be on the disc. So anything I've thrown at it, any region retail-wise has worked fine. Where Fenrir has struggled with some aspects is some homebrew titles where it's a single bin and a single queue file. And Fenrir doesn't like that. It likes the bin files to be separate. Yeah. So again, Derek Pascarella, the guy's a legend, man, honestly, um, the work that he does. But I reached out to him after that X-Men demo, went out, and the guy within 10 minutes had a working build for, for Fenrir because <laughs> he just split the bin file up and it worked fine. So that's the only thing where I found that Fenrir has any kind of issues yeah. is, is with the, some homebrew stuff. Not all of it, just some of it, if it's in that single file configuration. But... Um, for me, I think Fenrir value for money wise is 105 euros. Um, yeah, you do lose your disk drive, but if you're someone who wants to get into Sega Saturn and you find a, a, a cheap listed Saturn with a broken disk drive for parts and you pick that up for, let's say, 50 quid and you get 105 euros, 100 quid for a, a Fenrir that's your 150 quid and you're still half the price of getting a satiator here yeah <laughs> it's, it, it's a no-brainer for me so but at the same time you don't want to go down that route of saying this is the option you must buy we say you should buy this the best thing about all of this is that there's options yeah. you know that that's that's what I just love about it and I think the Saturn being blessed with so many you've also got the the Saru as well yeah, the, the, the cartridge, cartridge one. Yeah, so there's a, another option coming out now. But I was on Shiro a few weeks ago. I, I said in the comments um, on one of the, the Friday night shows, yeah, an ODE that relies on the weakest part of the Saturn's <laughs> hardware. What could go wrong? <laughs> um, but you then you would lose 4 megabyte RAM compatibility because I don't I take it that's not going to be built into that cartridge so yeah you again, imagine you would yeah so but options are good we love options yeah even even Finray has the has the switcher so you can keep yes. it still requires an external it still requires an internal mod which one you know, you one solder a, one yeah. wire so there's options but as you yeah so there's options for you know flash drives ODEs flash cartridges uh, what you use them for? So you touched on it just now, mate. You know, getting retail games, and I think that's probably where we'll kind of touch on first of all. Um, when it comes to these, I'm pretty sure both of us have got the entire Master System library, the entire Mega Drive library. I've got the entire 32X library on my on my EverDrive card. You know, three generations of uh, of content onto one eight gigabyte <laughs> SD card. Um, are we advocating piracy? Uh, I think from a moral standpoint, you've got to look at 
the entire market these days, you know, secondhand gaming prices, you know, if you pay a seller, you know, what pounds would you go and go for these days for the sake of Saturn? 550 pounds, you uh, know, use Suzuki Gameworks, good luck finding a copy of that and not paying under what 500 pounds. And when you pay that money, is it going to Sega? A Sega getting it? Yeah. Absolutely not. So, you know, the, the sad thing about this is that gaming is in danger of losing its history. And what was it? There was that there was that uh, news article that came out recently that said 95% of video games from the past are unplayable or unpurchasable legally. And yes, piracy is illegal. Uh, piracy is, you know, a moral gray area. But when you're picking up... And, We'll get on to the real reason soon, but it's worth talking about the fact that you can play these libraries, you can play all these games, which, you know, if you're on a budget, which most of us are, they're mm -hmm. unobtainable. And even if you have got money to burn, you're still waiting for some of these to appear in the wild. So this gives you an opportunity to, to play games that you might not otherwise get an opportunity to on real hardware. Aye, and I think that's that's the key thing for me. These these titles, these retro games are history. You know, I've used the term on here before that we were living history, we just didn't know it at the time. Everybody, future generations to come, should have the opportunity to play these games. Now, as you said, that article said was it ninety-five percent of, of past Nothing games like that, are yeah. yeah. That that's criminal. Now, yes, piracy is wrong when it is hurting developers, publishers, hardworking people who put hundreds of hours into these games. I have not a single pang of guilt at, you know, putting Panzer Dragoon Saga on an SD card. I, I paid $38.99 for it back in the day. I sold it for 180 in 2008 and thought I had done well. Um, <laughs> I, I could not even if I had 550, 600 quid to throw away on a copy of it, that to me doesn't represent value at all to to buy that back for that price physically. And probably what the, the cardboard box might have a, a bit of dings in it, the flaps will be loose. You know, what, what kind of conditions are it going to be in? Is, is Panzer Dragoon Saga a £600 game? No, no gamers, yeah. you know. So it's like to be able to go back and experience that again, thanks to Fenrir, thanks to Satiator, is is a godsend. And you're getting these things at a fraction of the cost to pick. I mean, Panzer Dragoon Saga was the game that I used to basically sell the idea of Fenrir to my wife, and I got the Saturn back. It was like. This is a game I had. Look what it's worth now. I'm never going to be able to buy that. So I get this mod and I've got access to that and everything else. And the thing is, mate, these games are essentially abandonware. Yeah. Like, as you said, Team Andromeda's not going to see a penny of 600 quid that you pay a collector for, for Saga. It's going to go in somebody's grubby back pocket. And all it does is... That person then goes away, says, I just sold my copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga for 600 quid. 
They tell people that are in their, their kind of community or circle of friends. It goes on Facebook groups, and boom, before you know it, it's, the price starts to go up because yeah. there's now an acceptance that that's what it's worth. And it's like people go on eBay and they look at, like, I've, I've got a mate who collects Lego, right? And he's got so many pieces, like the AT-AT Walkers, the big Millennium Falcon, yeah. like he's the Ghostbusters house. The, Harry, he, the guy's got a room full of Lego, right? It's just mental. And he goes on eBay and he sees buy it nows for like the Millennium Falcon for like 400 quid, for example. And he goes, well, that's a 400 quid piece. And I'm like, but mate, look at how many have actually sold in the last 90 days for that. None. Yeah. How many times has that been relisted? And that's what annoys me is that, and I'm getting, I'm getting off in a bit of a rant now, but that, that does annoy me that people look at eBay and they use that as a barometer for value. And then some somebody's daft enough to pay the money for it. And then that just kicks the whole thing off again. So, um, yeah, we don't advocate piracy when it comes to, like, modern systems at all. You know, modern gaming, I think you've seen with the amount of layoffs that we've witnessed in various departments from various, you know, publishers and developers that have been shut down over the last 12, 14 months. It's not a good place to be. Um, it's a hard place to be making modern games. I would never advocate or even attempt to pirate modern stuff. But Mega Drive, Saturn, Dreamcast stuff. I, I'm sorry, I've got absolutely is you know my, my conscience is completely clear. Um, I'm not hurting Sega. I'm not hurting AM2, AM3, Team Andromeda, Tantalus. You know, Treasure. Any of these guys, they they would not see a penny. Of, of anything you give a collector. So that's my take. No, that's, uh... <laughs> I agree, mate. I completely agree. My conscience is completely clear. And uh, yeah. Oh, no, it's Alex did a video recently where his piracy piracy is morally correct. I wouldn't go completely that far, although he did, he did talk a lot about the fact that we get unfinished games and the fact that even on PC, it's loaded with DRM always online. But... The video game industry has a really, really bad preservation problem. And a lot of a lot of accounts and a lot of people and a lot of big names will point that at Xbox and say that Xbox has the worst preservation problem because Xbox doesn't have so many official physical games. Hi-Fi Rush didn't get a physical release. The Xbox console has to be logged on every time that you open a new one or set up an account on it. Otherwise, you can't play your games. And yet, maybe Xbox is affected a little bit more than most. But... You know, there's these there's accounts that go out there and chronicle what games are playable, and they say, well, not every game needs a day one update. Not every game is full of issues. Not every game has issues when you put in just a disc and don't update it. For me, the battle for preservation was completely lost the minute that the first game went out and couldn't be played without an update. The first game, you know, the fact that games like Cyberpunk, that Street Fighter V in its original form, Fallout 76, you know, there's loads out there. The minute that we got the first one of those, the battle was lost on preservation. And unfortunately, until the video game industry cleans up its act, piracy is preservation. Piracy is the only preservation we've got. You know, Nintendo aren't putting the entire NES library on their Switch Online service. They're picking and choosing, you know, half a dozen titles. Same with Sega on the Switch library. And, you know, pretty much all of Sega's retro releases I've bought online. You know, I I bought them and I own them. You know, the Sega Ages ones on Switch, they came out, they trickled out two or three of them, and then they gave up. 
well, we're not getting another power. We're not getting a port of power drift now, are we? So, and that's the thing about a lot of this. And then the, the, the physical games themselves, they're not a crux. And I don't think they're the solution. They're not the solution. And I don't think they ever have been. They're more, you know, you can rely on a physical game to always be around to an extent. You know, you've got things like disc rot and everything. But um, they've, for me, it's always been a distraction more than a solution because it's like, well, I'm not going to buy I'm not going to buy it digitally because I'll get the physical version of the game and I'll be okay. But that doesn't preserve the game for anyone. That's not preservation at all. That's mm. preservation for yourself, you know, and that's preservation or speculating. You know, people buy all this stuff from limited run games and get all these little trinkets. And if you enjoy getting that, that's fine. But that's not preservation. That's lining that company's pockets for, for a market that they're exploiting. Uh, huh. And it's as simple as that. Huh. Real preservation, unfortunately, is piracy. There's only one source for getting any game that's out there. And that's, you know, on ROM sites, unfortunately. So if you want to preserve gaming until someone... Or, or a group of people or we get we get the video game industry to recognize the history and recognize their heritage and start preserving you know their art form with a bit more tenacity then this is the only outcome we've got this is the only option is to play roms however we play them whether it's emulated or as we're talking about right now on odes or or ever drives because you know most people aren't going to get a chance to play Passage Green Saga or Burning Rangers in its original form. Castlevania, no. for example, on the Sega Saturn. You know, Konami are completely stonewalled. They, they're not bothered about adding any of the Saturn exclusive content, whether it's the, you know, the the speed shoes or the or the extra dungeons. You know, as much as criticism that Saturn port gets, it's got exclusive content in there, which would be welcome in like an updated version. But they don't. They don't do that. They don't put those two dungeons in the PSP version. Rather, they entirely change the dub, remove the soundtracks. So you don't have I Am In The Wind in them, and you end up with a lesser version as a result. So, Aye. yeah, mate, for me, piracy is preservation, unfortunately. The, the industry has gotten itself into this situation where you can't play games as they were originally built. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is via the people, the good people that have backed up these games and are preserving them online. And that's where your ODEs are, are quite useful. And, and that's that, my rent over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, mate. What you're talking about there about, you know, and that takes us back on the ODEs is one point that, I, and I've spoken to Jason about this on WhatsApp, and he pointed out as well. And it's like all these people who go on and on about physical media, the importance of physical media, we have to preserve physical media. Not one of them mentions preserving the hardware. Yeah, which is just as important. Yes. if you, It's all very well having physical media, and I do agree that physical media is worth saving and is worth preserving. But why aren't these people talking about preserving the hardware? Because if that dies, you ain't got shit to run that on. And <laughs> there was a, a tweet by someone that I applied to from the Sega guys account and uh, the tweet said, it was a picture, they quoted someone, and it was a, a couple of uh, Xbox games, some PlayStation 1 games and Japanese Saturn games. And the tweet says, this photo shows that physical media is as precious for our shared cultural heritage as books and paintings. I want to dedicate 2024 to celebrating this culture, to show that games aren't tech and that they 
like those who play them are designed to think, feel, and move. A lot of you know hyperbole there. Um, my reply to that was: uh, games are tech, but without tech, those games. Oh, sorry, without tech, those who play them cannot do so. Championing physical media is the right thing to do, but the way the hardware required to use them is overlooked is concerning. There should be an equal focus on preserving the original hardware as well. And suffice to say, there was no response to that. But yeah, um, you know, I mean, so that, that 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 was just that that was kind of a, a annoying. Games aren't tech. Well, well, they are because they require tech to run. Yeah, you know. So otherwise, what are they? They're just posters. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's that's the thing, as you know, mate. I, I'm a big proponent proponent of physical media. Whenever I buy a new game, I always get the uh, the physical version mm-hmm. where I can. You know, uh, Street Fighter Six bought the physical version. Same with Zelda. Same with um, Super Mario Wonder that I bought this year. Same with Sonic Superstars. Would have bought a Like a Dragon, uh, Gaiden, but they didn't do one. And but that's just that's just where we are. I'm a big promote proponent of physical media, but I think you know there needs to be kind of an acceptance of the fact that isn't the be all and end all. And that isn't, that isn't foolproof. And that isn't, you know, it's, it's, it requires original technology and, uh, you know, functioning hardware to run. And at the end of the day, it's still got a, 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 a shelf life, a, a shelf life, you know, d- discs can rot, cartridges can, can fail. So yeah. The, the, and, and at the end of the day, Sega, don't seem interested in resurrecting a lot of these properties, you know, right. you know, as, as much as the new Sega announcements excite us, we haven't seen anything to say there's going to be a new Panzer Dragoon. I, the fact that it's all gone very quiet on the Panzer Dragoon's fire remake. Uh, I think that's going to happen. Uh, that looks like that's dead in the water. That's been kind of rumbling on as a rumor for how many years now? Well, the original came out a good <laughs> three or four years ago. Um, yeah. So, so, and that definitely, you know, skewers any thought of Panzer Gunsaga getting a remake. So, the only way you're going to get to play these games is either with very, very deep pockets or via ISOs, ROMs, and emulation, effectively. So, yeah, from a moral standpoint, it's morally grey. But I think you've got to counter your own morals against that of an industry which has got absolutely no interest in preserving its history or its culture. And until it does, you know, don't take money, never ever take money out of a developer's pocket. Um, Pirating modern games is wrong. But if you're talking about games that are either so rare that they're almost, they almost, uh, you almost never see them or the games Mm. are so expensive that you could never afford them. The only person's pocket you're hurting is the resellers. And I think they can probably live without it if they're sitting on a five hundred pound game. Aye, aye. It's um and it's it's sad to see as well. Like that that breaks my heart whenever I see like copies of again to bring up Panzer Dragoon Saga as an example, sitting inside a plastic case on a shelf. It it just it it hurts to see that. You know, it, that that game deserves to be played um it deserves to have its its music heard to to have its story told to witness the brilliant battle mechanics the dragon morphing mechanics to let edge take you on his journey you know it, it deserves to be played there's not that many copies out there 
you know, to see it treated like a four disc trading card entombed in a plastic shell is is painful. And obviously, if that's what people want to do, that's their prerogative. It's their money, but that that's not why games are made. They're, yeah. they're made to be played. Um, so, as I said before, everybody has the right as gamers to play these games. As you said, mate, the industry is showing no appetite to preserve its past, to preserve its heritage, its history. They're just leaving it. I mean, yeah, as you said, these new Sega announcements, we're excited by them. We're a bit miffed that there's no Saturn titles. Yeah. Um, it's Sun taking over as, you know, CEO of Sega of America and Europe. You know, he's been announced recently. Um, I noticed it on the, the Video Game Awards tweet about it. They mentioned that he, he helped launch the PlayStation in the yeah. US and he also helped launch the Dreamcast. And I'm like, that explains the lack of Saturn love then. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, there's... And the Saturn, I think, is is the system that that suffers the most because of this. Because, as we'll come on to the next kind of discussion we're going to have, which is the, the overwhelming benefits... The Saturn has just got a library that deserves to be explored because, my God, there is so much to it. We grew up with the with the UK library. Later on, started delving into the Japanese stuff, but we only touched the surface of the Japanese stuff whenever we've now got older, got ODEs, got access to these games. Um, it's a treasure trove. It really is. It's an Aladdin's cave of, of Sega goodness yeah. <laughs> that... You know, just dive in, dive straight in. Absolutely, mate. And I think just coming back on one of the points there, and obviously there are collectors out there who would buy a game and, you know, it's, it's their prerogative if they want to buy a game uh, that's in pristine condition um, and, you know, be very careful with it. Coming back to the benefits of an ODE or a flash drive, you can let that game sit on the shelf and actually play an image of it. You know, there's that benefit as well. Um, I know for some of the my my games are a lot of these I've had since uh, since I was younger. Um, my Panzer Dragoon Saga um, is fine, <laughs> but the, the case is a bit tatty. Um, I think other ones as as well um, don't always always need a bit of encouragement, shall we say, to, to, to <laughs> for the disc to start reading them because they, I've had these and they're well used. But uh, I've started, for some of them, that I think the discs are a bit unreliable. And even for somewhere I'm a little bit cautious about handling them, you know, I can play them on the EverDrive. And uh, that's another benefit as well. It, it preserves your collection. If you just want to put your mega, mega EverDrive in and not keep putting your carts in and out of the slot. Where to tear on your machine. Yep. Yeah, you can just leave your EverDrive in there. Again, that's kind of what I do with my EverDrive. Um, just leave it, leave it in there and play the games that I want to. Um, I can put my original carts in if I want, but again, it comes down to the fact that you've got options to do that. Uh, so if you want, if you want to play the whole library and you want to, and you agree with myself and James and <laughs> just want to download everything because no one else, no one else is going to preserve this history. Fine. If you don't want to download all the games, but you do want to get a backup of all the games that you do own, that's fine as well. So as far as playing the original games, there's options there, and it's it, even if you're just going to play what you already own but you don't want to preserve your hardware, that's absolutely fine as well. And what, what you come back to there as well, mate, is, is another benefit of, of ODE's convenience. You know, yeah. like what you said there, 
yeah, collectors who don't want to continually take their cases off a shelf, open them up, run the discs, potentially. You know, we're all clumsy buggers. You know, we've all, <laughs> dropped, we've all dropped stuff and smashed it. You know, so if you've got stuff on your shelves that you don't want to continually take on and off, open up, load them up, put weight and tear on them, like cartridges, as you said, in and out with Mega Drive and, and Master System cartridges, you know, have your collection sitting there and just let the ROMs do the work. Yeah. And then I... you also and you also avoid that kind of piracy because you can go, they're backups of managers. <laughs> I know you've got See? a few physical games, even though you haven't got a CD drive for your uh, for your sake of Sam. You've yeah. got uh, you got the big three and uh you've got bootleg sampler on the way, haven't you? Oh mate, don't that's just <laughs> I literally argued with myself buying that because, like, there's a, a video that might have went out by the time this goes out. Yeah, I'm not sure out, yeah. it should have been. Um, and I say, I just, I, I say to you, I, I wanted to do two videos: a video on the big three uh, and a video on the bootleg sampler, the first Sega Saturn demo disc, which came with the PAL and US consoles at launch, and then came on issue three of Sega Saturn magazine. And I just had so many memories, amazing memories of playing that demo disc and I wanted to do a video on it. And I went on eBay on the off chance to look for it. And there's a copy there for $7.50 plus like a pound twenty postage or something. It's an acceptable condition. There's a couple of scratches on the discs and a wee bit of wear, but it looks for its age, it looks acceptable for what it's going to do, which yeah, here comes the hypocrite. It's going to sit on a shelf, right? <laughs> you just said don't have stuff sitting on a shelf, but um, I was making this video and I'm I'm recording the the, the voiceover for it and I'm getting into facts about like what World Series baseball was called in Japan, you know, uh, Hideo Nomo World Series baseball. I'm getting into the facts about it, and I'm writing this up and I'm recording it and I'm editing the footage and I'm listening to the music and I'm sitting going, oh, my heart, it's like I need I need to own this. <laughs> and I and I seen it and I'm sitting going, it was like the devil and the angel. It was like, you don't have a disc drive, but I used to have it when I was a kid. <laughs> Do you really want it? And I was like, and I, it sat there for three days. I was editing the video and every time I edited the video, I got the pangs that I wanted to, to have it. And uh, I would stop editing and go away and I would, just, I would come back and I would have a peek and it was still there. And then after uploading the video and, and watching it back to kind of like, proof it to make sure there was no errors or anything, I went, ah, oh, to hell with it. And, and I bought it. So the sellers are away until the 12th, it said on eBay. So I'm not in a rush for it, but it was just something that I wanted to, because the, the physical games that I've got are, are games that I've got kind of like, personal meaning to me. Um, Virtua Fighter was gifted to me by Retro Prime very kindly after I helped him with his um, GDMU and Fenrir. So he he gifted me that because he, he knew kind of what that game meant to me from listening to the pod and stuff like that. So I'm very grateful to him for that. Got my, my copy of Sega Rally there as well. Uh, got Virtua Fighter 2. So there's, there's just games that, have, that resonate, you know. But that that is one thing about the ODEs. It does give you that convenience that if you don't yeah. want to keep messing about and those Saturn PAL cases mate they are they are flimsy <laughs> you know so um it's a Dreamcast once mate you just need to look at a Dreamcast PAL case that cracks it's like oh yeah. please it's like it's like um 
Samuel L. Jackson in Unbreakable. Mr. <laughs> Glass. They call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> it's like this break, but I so yeah, bootleg samples on its way, mate. Yeah, but then yeah, so we, I mean, we've touched on why you'd want to play official games on your on your your flash device. You know, backing up what you've got already, accessing games that you could never play. But mate, let's get into the real reason why you want a why you want a flash device, and that is the absolutely exquisite Sega homebrew scene. You know, we've already talked about. Darren Pascarella and the sort of work that he does, but there are so many legends out there that are doing absolutely oh. phenomenal work. There's been, and if anyone's been paying attention to this channel, you've probably seen quite a few homebrew videos out there. You know, whether it's translations, or you've already mentioned that the the Japanese library that we never got over here in the West. Obviously, some of those, you know, you play X Men versus Street Fighter. We imported that back in the day. Easy as pie. You want to play Ogre Battle? Well, that's going to be a completely different <laughs> different kettle of fish. But thanks to the homebrew community, now you can. Want to play the Saturn version of Vandal Hearts? There it is, fully playable in English. You know, Blowing. But, but, you know, what about Castlevania Symphony of Night? That plays worse than the Sega Saturn. Well, guess what? There's a mod for that as well. Improves the load times. Improves some of the sprites. You get a mod. <laughs> you get a mod. You get a mod. <laughs> And then, you know, make the, the X-Men arcade. You know, who was asking for X-Men arcade on the Sega Saturn? No one. Did we know we wanted it? No. But there it is. And we love it. So, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's just oh. like, it's absolutely endless what you can see on here. And this is stuff that you cannot buy, that you cannot get out there, that doesn't exist and wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this community. No, it's it's unbelievable. Um, and... If if I think back to like, I, I kind of I joined this community like in 2019, obviously not long after that, you and I kind of met on on Twitter and stuff like that. But there was nothing at this level. Like this is just the people that are coming kind of to the fore and you know working on this stuff. Even Frog Bull with these kind of Metal Gear Solid Final Fantasy Seven demos, you know that that's just insane work. You know the the translation stuff, the homebrew stuff, like the views that we've had on the X Men video, the thirty two X Tomb Raider video, and the Castlevania mods show that there is an insane appetite for these mods. That you know, yeah, they can be played on emulators, but they're also a brilliant way for you, you know, to to a real reason to get an ODE. Uh, or a, a flash cut and have a drive for the for the also the mega drive stuff like um Mauro Xavier's final fight MD. There's a new build of that coming out in any day now, you know, which has got even more added to it. Yeah. It's just you've got Robo Z's mega R type. Yeah. You know, there's just there's, I'm I'm actually struggling to to keep up with, with what's happening. I mean there was uh, the Shiro show last Friday um, Dave and Pat said, you know, and Danthrax had said, please stay on the chat, on the stream, whenever the credits roll, we've got a special announcement. And it was Shadows of the Tusk in English. Yeah. <laughs> now, apparently the multiplayer part has already been put in English, but the single player part wasn't. The single player part's work in progress, it's happening. And I'm like... <laughs> Again, it's you had Stellar Assault um, SS, you had Bulk Slash. Yeah, which Dan Frax worked on, didn't he? He worked on Bulk oh, Slash, which, you know. Honestly, it's just, just 
amazing stuff. And the fact that the thing with Stellar Assault and Bulk Slash, you know, you'd think, okay, the translation teams will go out there. They'll just, you know, where all the written text is in Japanese, they'll translate that. So you've got a nice subtitled version of the of the game. But in their good old Stokey Steve Austin way, <laughs> no, they'll get a they'll get a crew to completely redub the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely astonishing work, and just seeing people deliver stuff like that. And this is this is production level quality. This is this is almost beyond what working designs would do back in the day. It's absolutely Aye. phenomenal stuff. Aye, and whenever you listen to like the the audio, as you said, that the quality of like the the voiceover work, it's not. It doesn't like if you and I try to do voiceover work, we'd end up <laughs> we'd end up sounding like bad parodies of Peter Weller and you know, you know Peter, Weller, Peter Cullen and Frank Welker. Like it just turned into a complete comedy act. But these guys sound like they were hired, like professionally, probably well. But you know, what I mean, but, but back in the day, they would be like bona fide voice artists. Like they don't sound cheesy. They don't sound overly done. Doesn't sound forced. It just sounds proper like what if a real professional localized version of those games would sound like they're absolutely phenomenal oh yeah i think they're better than what you'd hear back in the day i mean there's oh i they're, they're definitely above deep fear isn't it? evil sort of levels but even they're better than shenmue mate that's for yeah, sure. are... <laughs> it's amazing so you, you've one got... day i was chinese <laughs> yeah <laughs> what was um I was playing Deep Fear the, the other day, and your voice. I've been playing Deep Fear a lot lately, and D Deep Fear is another one. You know, I've got the I've got actually got the Japanese version of Deep Fear. Played the PAL version with a friend. I've never completed it on my own, but played the PAL version with a friend back in the day. He sold it for about ten or twenty quid. Uh, obviously, commands three hundred pound now. Um, well, no yeah. <laughs> Oof. On one hand, <clears throat> on one hand, I've got the Japanese version now. I've tried playing through multiple times, and it does get a bit challenging. But it's not it's not impossible, but I haven't quite had the patience to see it all the way through to the end with the Japanese language. Fine. Then you could get get the PAL version. Play by if you buy that, it's three hundred four hundred pound. You could put the PAL version on an ODE. But wait, you could actually just download the unreleased American version, and then all of a sudden you've got the best English version of the game, which never actually came out. Nope. So, and 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 that's another thing, mate. You know, you've got your mods, your homebrew, and your translations. Um, and yeah, I mean, so much stuff here. I, I had a list on here, um, which we'll probably revisit in a bit, but I just wanted to talk about the prototype scene. And again, this is, comes back to your bootleg sampler video with the where you talk about the Sega Rally prototype, yeah, you know, you know, with the with, without the squished Toyota Celica, um, <laughs> just trying to think when this will come out. I buy this song, we might have a Sonic the Hedgehog three video came out, and I'm using prototype footage from that again, been able to capture that from real Mega Drive hardware, thanks to an EverDrive, thanks to a flash card. So, and and that gives us an insight into the games that never were. You know, Deep Fear never came out in the US, but that US version exists. That original version of Sega Rally, where all the tracks are playable and the graphics look interestingly different. Sonic Three with the Sonic Two sprites, and there's so there's so many more. You know, the Super Star Wars port that never came yes, out for them for the I... Mega Drive. Um, I'm trying to think of others that get that came up, but there's so many. It's absolutely it's absolutely mind boggling. Half Life is a huge one. 
Half-Life on the Dreamcast. Yes. Basically finished. A few frame rate issues, but it was done. It was ready to come out, but the Dreamcast was no longer supported. That whole game is playable on Dreamcast. So and, if- and it's been modded by the guys on Dreamcast Talk to improve performance and reduce load times. Like the, the threads that are on there like are so, there's such high level like so like it's it's scary how smart these guys are. Yeah, I know. Like like they, they, they go in and they explain that they've went in and they've found this bit of code and they've changed this number to that number and they've they've changed how it reads into memory and that it shaves a couple of seconds off each load time and if they replace the models with the models from that version then it runs better and I'm like, how have you figured this out? Yeah. But, the people that we've got in the community that are doing this stuff, just we we have to be so thankful to them, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, the same token, I was reading through Football's um, Patreon earlier, and um, obviously he'd done the Final Fantasy VII demo. That hasn't. There's no ROM for that yet, but you imagine, you know, one day there may be. Same for Metal Gear Solid, and that'd be amazing if there was. But yeah, the the the, the knowledge behind these guys. Some guy was saying, if you've done some sort of, and I'm I'm putting it in the lame layman version the, the the tech was the talk was very you know high level and it was like all this talk about perspective correction and using these sort of uh techniques which i can't remember off the top of my head and i probably struggled to pronounce them but the, the, these guys are so intelligent and so talented and um it, the, the fact that they're focusing on this sega stuff is just we're so lucky to have them you know we had unreal on the sega saturn you know <laughs> um We've got um, we've got Final Fire on the Mega Drive again pushing the hardware. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff like you know the the Doom 32X is it Doom Resurrected? You know, really showing, uh, right, you know, really yep. pushing the hardware. You know, you got, it's full screen, it runs faster, it has all the levels from the from the original game, um, and you can even add CD soundtracks. So if you've got a Mega Drive, Mega EverDrive Pro, or a Mega SD, you can pretend you can emulate it having a mega cd attached and have a cd soundtrack to it it's absolutely mind-boggling and even you know there's there's competitions for some of these so the the master system game gear sg 1000 you know uh sms power run a uh, annual mm. competition and there's so many prototypes and uh, stunning games on there that it just it's 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 mind-blowing um so yeah it may be the the dreamcast is obviously the youngest of that entire family so maybe it's time will come well to be fair the one thing that has come out that was impressive was the atomus wave stuff yeah so that 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 was impressive um that they've managed to get those games to run you know on obviously a gdmu but i i would just like to see the dreamcast get its muscles flexed a wee bit you just want scud race that's all you want I know. See, any, see whoever, <laughs> anybody ports anything remotely playable to do with Scud Race on that, I will bow at their feet. I will throw money at them. Just <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, if you're working on it, tell us your Patreon details, and we'll uh, we'll fling you over a few quid uh, <laughs> as much as we can. A couple of bungs. <laughs> what just we're getting scam requests now. <laughs> I'm making scudries give me money. Yeah, but but there's the, the but you know whether it's Dreamcast, whatever Sega console, Dreamcast, Saturn, Game Gear, Master System, Mega Drive, 
and as I say, Mega CD is a byproduct of that. 32X, again, the fact that they've got a, a build of, of Open Lara running running and looking as well as good as it does. Um, Mental. Again, interesting because I think that's going to have to be one that probably emulates it being on a Mega uh, a Sega 32X with a Mega CD attached because like Sega Lord X was saying in his coverage of that video, um, the ROM size is already something like 16 megabit. <laughs> Jeez. Just for one level. And just for one level, wow. Jeez, <laughs> I saw. Jeez, I saw. What size is that going to be? Because that's the thing as well. A lot of folk have said in the, the replies to the X-Men video we did that, um, you know, oh, where can I play this physically? Or, you know, it's a shame that license issues mean we won't get to play this physically. And I think the inevitability is that these games, if they are ever finished, will likely find their way onto an Etsy or an AliExpress in the form of a, a reproduction. Yeah. You know, there, there's tons of them out there already, you know, whether it's for retail games or or homebrew stuff. Um, someone already, it's not for sale, but they made a brilliant uh, repro of the Mega R-Type mm. using the arcades poster. Uh, and it looks absolutely beautiful. The sticker on, they put the ROM onto a cartridge and they had the, the sticker on it. They made a manual and everything is beautiful. So there, there will be people out there that when these come out, they'll, once it gets out of the wild, there's no stopping people from doing what they want with it. And I think that's why Frogbull won't release the work that he's doing just now for Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Um, I doubt he'll ever finish them because they're just far too big. He's one guy. What he's done already <laughs> is ridiculous. You know, it's insane. But um, aye, I, I think he knows that if they got out there, some, you know, someone would take advantage of it, make a case up and probably sell it, you know, and, and make money off it. And uh, as I say, I've reached out to him. I've, I've, I speak to him in DMs, spoke to him a few times, and I've said if he ever wants to to send us, if he ever gets a build that's you know Fenrir or ODE friendly to, to try it out and and give opinions on it, we're here. We'd never share it. It would never never leave our possession. We're yeah. on, honourable that way. We would never stab somebody in the back and and release something that was given to us in, in kind of good faith. But um, hopefully we do because it would be amazing. To control Solid Snake on the on the Saturn, and I know someone replied in the comments as well, saying that um, you know Metal Gear Solid was on Dreamcast through Bleem. I'm like, I okay, that's that's a loophole and a half, right? That's that's a bit different than <laughs> a port for the actual. It was still a PlayStation disc that was being manipulated. This is actually being built to run on, albeit at present, emulated Sega Saturn hardware. Yeah, and I think. And that's the thing about the EverDrives is that you are getting to play it on, you know, it's great getting to play it on an emulator and hopefully via an EverDrive you get to play it on real hardware because I think that's, the, and it becomes a lot more real then. You know, I've got a PC that I've got all like, all sorts of emulators on there. I mainly play MAME on there now. It's just nice to have the, the real hardware and there's just something magical about playing these games on real hardware. You know, there's all sorts of... You know, I used to play Final Fantasy V translation for the Super Nintendo. I know we're, 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 we're changing to a Nintendo 
now, but I used to play the Final Fantasy V translation on the SNES. That was one of the earliest translations I'd ever played. I played that emulated, but I didn't play it much. But it's just this just feels more more real playing it on the real hardware, and it's the same for it. it you know, applies to all these these Mega Drive games, uh, these Sega games. You know, Grandia. I fin- finally finished Grandia last year. Uh, Sixty hours, loved every minute of it, and. I've had the physical version in Japanese for ages. Tried playing through that with a translation, too difficult. Try place trying to place the. I got the PlayStation One version. It's a bit pants, <laughs> so I didn't really didn't really get far in there. But you know, you're you're playing it as it's meant to be played, but in a way that it's accessible for you. And there's so there's so many. I mean, the the list that I've got on here, mate. You know, Grandia is a favourite of mine. It's the Castlevania mod, um, Luna the Silver Star is a great one. Again, yeah, they've they've yeah. they've updated the the fmv in there with the subtitles the shining force free trilogy you know the fact that we didn't get scenarios two and three and the fact that you know not only did the community go out there and they translated scenarios two and scenario three and that final bonus disc but they went back and retranslated the original one so that the change is done to keep it as a kind of standalone release in the west are undone so it links into the rest of the trilogy more brilliant we talked about bulk slash, you know, stellar assault, vandal hearts, rent a hero on the, on the dreamcast, uh, Sakura wars, getting translations on the Saturn and the dreamcast space channel five, part two <laughs> golden axe on the 32 X, you know, there's so many and it's absolutely mind boggling. I mean, yes, you could play these emulated, but you know, there's something special about playing them on real hardware, especially if you stick them like a CRT, it's, it's like the the world that should have been. <laughs> I I mean another one to add to that list as well is Dragon Force Two. Yeah, I mean That's absolutely brilliant. But um, I you're right. There is again it all comes down to options. You know there, there's people who again like Polymegas are, are popular. You know Misters. You know PCs running. Um, is it Medifen as well? The emulator for for Saturn as well. If you want to run any of those. You know that that's uh, that's fine, but you, I was talking to again, speaking to to Jason earlier on about preservation, um, and he'd mentioned about you know the convenience of ODEs and about PCs loaded with ROMs up, and I'd replied and said, you know, for me, I'd struggle. To, this is going to sound really daft, but I would struggle to enjoy Sega Saturn games on anything but a Sega Saturn. And it's just because it's there. It's there's that emotional attachment to it. Now people might go, that's just romantic, nostalgic nonsense. But knowing the history of that that system, that specific Saturn that's sitting there, there's just so much attachment to that that I've got that it's just it's just magical. See, just like turning it on and knowing that I I, I pressed that power button when I was sixteen years old. You know, like I, I opened that that lid that dish tray when I was 16 years old and here I am, I'll be 45 in May and it's still there and now it's been improved you know, to 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 run everything that I could, that I had before and that I could ever have wanted since, as it's, as it's a magical time and you, you'll probably be the same way, the likes of like your Master System, your Mega Drive, Saturn as yeah. well, you know, these are just systems that you've got attachments to and even never that Mega Drive that you you sent me, mate. Like, just playing Sonic on that feels better than playing Sonic on like the the Xbox 360 version, which was pretty poor emulation, or 
even the iOS versions, like sitting playing it on a phone. <laughs> Christian Whitehead's work's amazing, but just sitting there playing it on a real Mega Drive, there's just something about it um, that is just special. So, but again, there's no right way, there's no wrong way. Options are brilliant. You know, if we all liked the same and thought the same, it'd be a pretty bloody boring place. But the, the thing that we've got to be grateful for is that we have got so many options now. A plethora of options on ways to experience these games. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And this is mainly going to be appealing for people that enjoy playing on real hardware because at the end of the day, you've got that tactile feel of the original controller, you know, the, the original display options. You may want to plug it into, you know, our... Um, you know, a Rad 2X or whatever, and get it on an LCD, and that and 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 that works as well. You still get that original feel for it, like you do, mate. You still play, you still got to get that original feel, even look hooked up to a modern display. But you know, I think most people who enjoy playing on modern on the legacy hardware, they really should be looking at getting an ODE, whether it's to play the original games that they couldn't play in the past, can't can't find or can't afford now. Um, whether they just want to back up their existing collection or whether it's just to, to to sample the absolute treasure trove of new translations and new titles, homebrew games, mods, you know, if you wanna if you wanna play the translated version of uh, Streets of Rage 3, there you go. If you want to play Streets <laughs> of Rage 3 with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in, you can do that as well if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to play Streets of Rage 3 with Homer Simpson, well there you there you go. There's a mod for that as well. So <laughs> that's it, mate. There's there's just endless stuff being done, you know, but I it's the the homebrew and the mod scene is is becoming almost as important, if not more important, than the actual playing of original games because it's opening up a whole new community, a whole new possibility, new games that you never thought you would play before. I mean, I've come April, <clears throat> excuse me, I've had my Fenrir for four years now, and it's that's flown in that, by the way. But four years ago, when I got the Fenrir, there was nothing like this. That was what, 2020. There yeah. was nothing. You know, what we have seen in terms of growth in the community is frightening. And it's pretty scary to think, what's the next 12, 24 months going to bring? What else yeah. are we going to see? It's exciting. It really yeah. is. I think 2024 is going to be insane for some some of these mods. But uh, I think the thing is, mate, I mean, you, I, I, I do play modern consoles but i keep finding myself coming back to my older ones i don't think i think if you just had sega hardware and you didn't want to buy another console again i think you're well catered for as i say there's these new master system games coming out on an, on a, on an annual basis there's new mods new homebrew solutions for new help homebrew games for the mega drive 32x sega saturn dreamcast you know we're getting new stuff every day. You could, you could just stick to your old Sega hardware and you would not run out of things to play. That's, that's, that's <laughs> me. I, I've I've no interest in going back to modern gaming at all. And people will be like, go get yourself a gamer. And I, I, I'm, I call myself, a, I, I am a retro gamer. I, I don't I don't play. Since I got rid of my, my Series X, probably two years ago almost. No, about 18 months. Um, mainly because I just didn't play it I don't have the time to invest in modern games unfortunately as I say just 
life has changed. I just don't have the 70 hours that I did before to sink into Assassin's Creed Origins. It's like the division that I played from beta all the way through all three expansion packs. I bought the season pass. I played that game every night with the same four guys from Wales, believe it or not. Was, well, one was for Yorkshire, a couple of them from, from Wales. Um, and we basically learned that game, progressed through that game, got stronger in that game together. And when I think back to how much time I invested in that, I couldn't do that now. So the whole thing about, you know, installing games and downloading games and downloading patches, and it's just, uh, I just fell away from it big time. Um, I just love going in, firing up the sat on the Dreamcast and Mega Drive. If I wanted a, a quick shot of Crazy Taxi, Sega Rally, DF2, have a, a run on nights and try and get all the A's across the board, try and parallel Gilwing in one go because he's <laughs> a dirty rotten sod, then I can do it. And it's not, I get that that kind of buzz, that hit from enjoying that, that classic Sega gameplay. And then I can go on with my day and until I can come back to it again. So yeah. just it's, it's horses for courses, but I, I I don't miss having a modern console because I'm now so invested in not just you know gameplay wise for myself, but for the channel. You know, it's uh, just keeping up to date. You know, like we would we did last week between you and I, three videos in four days. Yeah, so you know we're just so invested in that. It's an ecosystem unto itself now. It, it's becoming its own kind of entity within the community. So yeah, I mean, brilliant. yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah. You could, you could, you could play. You know, Grandia. As I say, that was fifty hours. Lunar is about the same time. Lunar Silver starting. You've got a Lunar Eternal Blue, which I think a translation is in progress. A lot of the, you know, Ogre Battle is a, is a long game. Shining Force Free. It's forty hours per game. You know, you are not short of things to things to play. Yeah. But I think that, that leads us up nicely, mate. You know, you can play the classics. You can play these new games. You can play the new translations. The world's your oyster with these things. So if you haven't got an ODE and you're on the fence, but you like playing on the hardware, you have to get one. You know, um, and there's options out there to suit every sort of situation and appetite. So absolutely, fill your boots with with the best that this Sega has to offer, both old and new. Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, if if you're wanting any advice or help or pointed in the right direction for anything, you know, drop myself or, or Dan a message or drop the pod account a message and either of us will pick it up. You know, I've, I'm into double figures now for the amount of people that have, have helped set these things up. Um, I've even set several up for the one person. <laughs> uh, so you know who you are, um, but I and I don't mind doing it. You know, it's 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 great that people are exploring the options and 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 want to to delve into not just the current library and you know with the the homebrew stuff, but the past library, the Japanese library. It's it's brilliant. So I, again, please any questions if you want to get pointed in the right direction, we are here to help. Absolutely, mate, and we'll 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 leave it there. But uh, yeah, if you 
have any questions at all around ODEs, if you want any help and reach out, let us know what your solution is or what your thoughts are, what are your favorite ROM hacks, what are your favorite homebrew games, your favorite fan ports. Let us know, you know, whether it's in the comments below. You can reach out to us on X. You can find me at super underscore D. You can find James at the Sagaholic and you can find the account at Sega Guys. You can join our Discord. We've got a community in there. Uh, frequently frequently chatting about a variety of topics across all the Sega consoles. And if you like what we do, subscribe, and maybe even think about becoming a member, which you can do from as little as just 99p. And as always, a big shout-out to our premium members. James, if you would like to give those guys a shout-out. Certainly. I am Mikowski, Stiff Peaks, G-Man, Sega Saturn Lads, and, of course, Andy Mackey, our premium members. Thank you to all our members and all our subscribers. As I say, we over the, the festive period, now over 3,000 of you and growing. So thank you very much to, to all our members and subscribers for your support. And if, if you aren't a member or a subscriber, thank you so much for watching. You will find us next time. But until then, we'll see you on the Sega side. Pick up.